God, we thank you. Just begin in your own way to thank him for all the goodness in your life. We thank you, Lord. How great is our God. How great is our God. continue to pray for Barb Newdorf and her family as they continue to grieve her mom. God, we thank you for the celebration of her life we had on Thursday. We thank you, Lord, for the peace we have and the hope and the comfort we have that when we live for you, we'll see you again. Jesus, thank you for what you're doing in our hearts and you are preparing us for something specific today. I ask that you would come against any distractions in our lives at this moment. And God, whatever it is you're wanting to teach us, that we would learn it today. God, teach us from your word. Thank you for your presence in our lives. We pray for all the unspoken requests in this room you know the whispers that are being said to you at this moment for physical needs for financial needs for loved ones that don't know you and God we thank you that there is an answer on the way we believe for it we have faith until we see Speak to our hearts today, God. We don't want to leave here the same as when we came. We want to be changed in you, Christ. Do it, Lord. Amen. Amen. You may be seated.
here I thought I was going to get away without crying today, but the Lord always surprises me. <laughs> I very rarely get away without crying. Um, I'm not going to lie, I enjoy this uh, stand because it can come up to my level. <laughs> Don't tell Pastor Gary, but we use that thing because it's at his level. Anyway, you understand. <laughs> For those of you who are new, Pastor Gary is a little shorter than I am. He's our, uh, thanks, Cameron. Well, I read this article a while ago about Burger King. And (laughs) are you ready for our barbecue? You're all going to want to stay now. Al's burgers are better than that one, I promise you. Um, On April 1st, 1998, the Burger King Corporation published a full-page advertisement in USA Today announcing the introduction of a new item to its restaurant menus. The new line was a left-handed Whopper, specially designed to accommodate the 32 million Americans who are left-handed. The (laughs) advert... And all the left-handed... Wait for it, though. The advertisement said that the new Whopper was identical to the traditional version, except that it had rotated all the condiments 180 degrees, thereby redistributing the weight of the sandwich so the bulk of the condiments would skew to the left, thereby reducing the amount of lettuce and other toppings from spilling out on the right side of the burger. Jim Watkins, the senior vice president for marketing at Burger King, was quoted as saying, The new product was the ultimate have-it-your-way for our left-handed customers. The advertisement added that the left-handed Whopper would initially be only available in the United States, but that the company was considering whether to market it to other countries with high left-handed populations. So the next day, Burger King issued a follow-up release revealing the left-handed Whopper to be an April Fool's Day joke. The company said that thousands of customers had been scammed, by the bogus advertisement and had gone into branches of Burger King asking for the new sandwich. And many more had gone in specifically requesting a right-handed version when placing their order. (laughs) I laughed really hard. Okay, so there's the funny, it's your fault because you fell for it scam. That's that one. Then there's the, it's not your fault and people are just mean scam. One of these happened to me December of 2005. I was moving back to Edmonton from Ontario, and I got paid on December 30th and immediately paid my rent and some other bills, and I left enough money to pay um, some of the bills that automatically come out of my account. And I NSF'd on these payments, non-sufficient funds, for those of you who have... Everybody's with me. Okay, great. (laughs) And I wondered what was going on, and I went to the bank to find out that my bank account had been drained earlier that day from Ontario. My debit card was copied and my PIN number stolen before I moved to Edmonton, and I guess they were just waiting for payday. (laughs) Poor suckers only got $200. But anyway, (laughs) yeah, you're not going to get much draining my accounts. Anyway, that was still not a fun experience. I couldn't believe it, really. Like, who are these people that think something like that is okay? And I was told it probably happened in a no-name bank machine or gas station, and that was my fault for using one of those. This experience got me thinking about something. 
I don't think I think enough. We talk about scams in our world and some are funny and some are mean. But I don't think I think enough about being scammed spiritually by the enemy of my soul. And I don't know where you are at on this faith journey, but for me it's an all or nothing thing. Either I believe all of it or none of it. Either I believe the entire Bible or none of the Bible. And to believe the entire Bible is to believe that there is one God who created this universe, who I am separated from because of my sin, who sent his son to die so that I could accept his forgiveness and live with him forever. Yes, but then I must also believe that there is an enemy who is just as real and wants me to die without knowing God's grace or forgiveness. This enemy is all throughout the Bible trying to get people to go against what God wants them to do. He starts right from the beginning with the first woman. Adam and Eve are created and live in this beautiful garden. They are allowed to do whatever and eat whatever except from this one tree. And so the sinful human nature begins. Let's read it, Genesis 3. The serpent was clever, more clever than any wild animal God had made. He spoke to the woman, Do I understand that God told you not to eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, Not at all. We can eat from the trees in the garden. It's only about the tree in the middle of the garden that God said don't eat from it. Don't even touch it or you'll die. The serpent told the woman, You won't die. God knows that the moment you eat from that tree, you'll see what's really going on. You'll be just like God, knowing everything, ranging all the way from good until evil. When the woman saw that the tree looked like good eating and realized what she would get out of it, she'd know everything. She took and ate the fruit and gave some to her husband and he ate it. Immediately the two of them did see what was really going on. They saw themselves naked. They sewed fig leaves together as makeshift clothes for themselves. When they heard the sound of God strolling in the garden in the evening breeze, the man and his wife hid in the trees of the garden, hid from God. God called to the man, where are you? He said, I heard you in the garden and I was, for, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid. God said, who told you you were naked? Did you eat from that tree I told you not to eat from? We are told in this passage that the enemy is very clever, and he is. He really knows how to appeal to our human nature. And today I want to talk about three basic methods the enemy uses to scam us. Three basic methods. Firstly, he confuses people into thinking he is light when in fact he is darkness. He confuses people into thinking he is light when in fact he is darkness. 2 Corinthians 4. All they have eyes for is the fashionable God of darkness. They think he can give them what they want and that they won't have to bother believing a truth they can't see. I was in Thailand a few years ago and sort of on a work vacation and I was staying at a hotel and there was this other group there. There was about 300 of them and they were on a retreat And they were people from all over the world who followed this man who had created this sort of music religion cult. The men dressed all in white and the women wore saris. And it was the strangest thing to see them treat this man like a god. They worshipped him, actually. 
I saw this firsthand as everything in the, in the hotel stopped as they gathered in the lobby every morning to bow to him as he left for the day and the same thing as he returned at night. They would sit on the lobby floor and hum and sing these songs that this man had written that were supposed, supposed to be the path to true enlightenment. I remember thinking how empty that must be and how confused and lost they are to be thinking that that is real. And then I thought, maybe they were looking at me and thinking the same thing about what I believe. Talk about confusing light and darkness. There really is a sense of confusion in our world, that's for sure. Satan's second method is to confuse people about God's grace. He confuses people about God's grace. Galatians 3. O foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. Let me ask you this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You received the Spirit because you believed the message you heard about Christ. How foolish can you be after starting your Christian lives in the Spirit? Why are you now trying to perfect them by your own human effort? Have you experienced so much for nothing? Surely it was not in vain, was it? I find it so sad when talking to someone who has known about God their whole life, but they still really aren't a Christ follower because they just can't wrap their mind around grace and around grace being a free gift. If Satan can get us all tied up in knots and working and working and working at religion and trying to earn our salvation or trying to be good enough, then he's got us in the trap. Also, if he can get us fixated on how people treat us so that we harbor unforgiveness and bitterness, it will eat us alive and we will be unable to experience God's grace in our lives. The third method is he tempts us to sin. 2 Corinthians 2.11 says, When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive whatever needs to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. And whenever I think of this, I am encouraged by 1 Corinthians 10.13, which says, No temptation has seized you except which is common to man, and God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear, but... This is my favorite part. When you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so you can stand up under it. Isn't that amazing? When you are tempted, he will provide a way out. After really understanding what this scripture says, I realize scripture is clear. I'm going to be tempted. So rather than pray not to be tempted, I want to pray that God will give me the strength to recognize his provision of the way out. And he will give me the strength to stand up under the temptation. So Satan confuses us into thinking he's light. He confuses us about grace. And he tempts us to sin. So how do we guard against the scams 
of the enemy. I honestly think that the thing I love the most about Jesus is that he has never asked us to do anything he hasn't modeled for us. And so when it comes to being scammed by the enemy, Satan even tried this on Jesus. So Jesus models for us a great response, which I want to look at in Matthew 4. Next, Jesus was taken into the wild by the enemy for the test. The enemy was ready to give it. Jesus prepared for the test by fasting 40 days and 40 nights. That left him, of course, in a state of extreme hunger, which the enemy took advantage of in the first test. Since you are God's son, speak the word that will turn these stones into loaves of bread. Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. It takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of God's word, of words from God's mouth. For the second test, the enemy took him to the holy city. He sat him on top of the temple and said, Since you are God's son, jump. The enemy goaded him by quoting Psalm 91. See, even the enemy knows scripture. He has placed you in the care of angels. He will catch you so that you won't so much as stub your toe on a stone. Jesus countered with another citation from Deuteronomy. Don't you dare test the Lord your God. For the third test, the enemy took him to the peak of a huge mountain. He gestured expansively, pointing out all the earth's kingdoms, how glorious they were. Then he said, they're yours, lock, stock, and barrel. Just go down on your knees and worship me, and they're yours. Jesus' refusal was curt. Beat it, Satan. I love the message. <laughs> I wanted to use this passage from message just for that. Beat it, Satan. He backed his rebuke with a third quote from Deuteronomy. Worship the Lord your God and only him. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness. The test was over. The enemy left. Angels came and took care of Jesus' needs. I love that angels came and took care of Jesus' needs because that tells us it was not an easy thing for him. He struggled under the pressure of temptation like we do. But like we can model after him, he shows us the way. So what do we do to guard against the enemy of our soul? Well, what did Jesus do? I believe that Jesus recognized the enemy's power is real, but limited. Real, but limited. We should follow that example and, and recognize the enemy's power is real, but limited. Limited. He cannot make us. He can only tempt us. If we stay strong in God's power, he cannot win. You know that old saying, the devil made me do it? He can't make you. <laughs> he can tempt you, but he can't make you. I actually struggled with talking about this today, to be honest with you, because in my personality, I don't like giving the enemy airtime. If I were totally truthful, I would have to admit that I'd rather not even acknowledge his existence at all. But having an all-or-nothing personality doesn't allow me that, because I definitely believe in a God who loves me, who wants to be in relationship with me. Therefore, I, I must acknowledge that there is an enemy wanting the opposite of that. 
Even Jesus himself had to know the word of God and had to be on his guard with the enemy. And the bottom line for me is if Jesus came up against this and he's God, then how much more do I need to be aware and ready for when the enemy of my soul tries to confuse me, to bog me down with law without grace, or to try to get me to sin in ways he knows are my weaknesses? Like everything else, this takes balance. We don't want to give him too much credit, but ignoring him completely is a danger also. So what else did Jesus do? Well, we see in this passage, he knew and used God's word to come against the enemy's scams. So like Jesus, we need to know and use God's word to come against the enemy's scams. Verse 4 Jesus answered by quoting Deuteronomy. Then Satan even quotes scripture. So you've got to be careful about that too. But he quotes it back to Jesus. But again, Jesus comes back with God's word from Deuteronomy. And after the third time, Jesus tells him to beat it. He probably used a different phrase, but... He recognized the power he had over the enemy. We need to recognize the power we have in the name of Jesus to declare like Jesus did in Deuteronomy, worship the Lord your God and only him. Serve him with absolute single-heartedness, and we can say, beat it, Satan. So how do we fight the enemy? By recognizing his power is real but limited, by knowing and using God's word, and by recognizing the power we have in the name of Jesus to tell the enemy to get lost. Those are powerful things. Now, I've realized over the years that the enemy of my soul looks very different than I thought. He's actually a lot more subtle, and sometimes it's not even like he's attacking me and things are going wrong in my life. Sometimes it's just he gets me feeling complacent about not growing. This has happened a lot. I get just feeling fine about my life and not doing much to help God's kingdom. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. When I was in, I was in something like this in my life and God showed me this, this verse. I think it was just after Bible college. Hebrews 5, 11 to 14. I have a lot more to say about this, but it is hard to get it across to you since you've picked up this bad habit of not listening. By this time, you ought to be teachers yourselves. Yet here I find you need someone to sit down with you and go over the basics of God again, starting from square one, baby's milk, when you should have been on solid food long ago. Milk is for beginners, inexperienced in God's ways. Solid food is for the mature, who have some practice in telling right from wrong. And I felt like God was saying to me, okay, that's enough of of milk now. Like you're just, you're staying in the same spot. You're having to be spoon-fed for your entire spiritual life. And that's not how it's supposed to be. We're supposed to grow. We're supposed to feed ourselves. We're supposed to grow in what God is teaching us. So I feel like God is saying to us, some of us, that's enough of the milk now. 
it's time for real food. It's time for you to grow. It's time for you to digest a little bit more of my word. It's time for you to get into it more than just an hour and a half on Sunday mornings. It's time for you to be a part of what I have for you Monday through Saturday, not just Sundays. And that was a hard lesson for me to learn. I want us to ask ourselves today, and, and on the, the paper, if you're following with the notes, there are these questions, and I encourage you to jot down the answers um, in your own time. Or, but, but really, if we come here and, and listen and, and want to know what God is saying to us, but yet are not honest with ourselves, there's really no point to it. So this is where we get honest. What prayer do I need to pray from this message today? Maybe you need to pray to not be confused anymore about light and darkness. Maybe you need to pray to understand God's grace. Maybe when I talked about religion versus relationship with Christ, maybe that's you. Maybe all you know is about coming to this place and having a checklist and marking it off and yay, I did this for Jesus today and you don't understand what his forgiveness and grace means in your life. A free gift plus nothing. Maybe you need to ask for forgiveness and for the power to stop sinning in your life. Maybe um, the temptations in your life have been too strong and you have not understood that God is providing a way out and you need to look for that way out. So maybe your prayer is, God, I need that way out and I need it fast. I need to recognize your power in my life. Maybe you need to pray that your relationship with God grows to the next level and that you're no longer complacent and doing nothing to fight the enemy of your soul. Satan would love nothing more than for us to be looking inward and missing out on making a difference in our world. I don't know what it is for you, but I know for me, I'm tired of being complacent and sticking to the basics. And no matter how long it's been that I've journeyed with the Lord, I always have to come back to this. I always have to come back to this. I want to grow and be challenged and actually see God do more awesome things in my life and in the world around me. I want to follow God's leading in helping others and understanding his love and grace. This is not always easy because the enemy can get us bogged down in our own selfishness, in our own life, looking inward, thinking about me, instead of looking outward and saying, okay, God, who is it that you want me to encourage today? Who do you want me to help today? How can I be a part of what you're doing to show people your love? I want to close with this story. My Uncle Paul, and I think I've told this story before, my Uncle Paul, um, him and his wife were in a car accident, and his wife was killed instantly. And um, this happened when I was 18 years old, and it was, it was very tough for me. And I will never forget, after being told the story, what happened was um, there was a truck driver, and, and he was, I don't know whether he fell asleep or something, and uh, 
ran a stop sign, ran into my uncle and aunt, and she was killed instantly. And it was clearly his fault. And I will never forget being told this story after it happened, that um, my uncle was laying on a stretcher in the hospital. He had just been told that his wife was um, killed instantly. And the man that was there, he looked at him and he said, I need you to do two things for me. I need you to call my brother Bruce in, in uh, Canada and tell him what's going on. And I need you to go and... I thought I was going to be able to do this. I need you to go and tell that truck driver that I forgive him. And I'll never forget being told that story and looking at my Uncle Paul and saying, why was that a priority? And he looked at me and without batting an eye, he said, because I will not let the enemy have a foothold. He said, because if you give the enemy an inch, he'll take a mile. And I'm not going to do it. And that has always been a lesson to me. That's about forgiveness, of course, but in everything. It's about making decisions before you have to make the decision. You make the decision that you are going to come against temptation with God's word. You make the decision that you are going to come against the scams of the enemy with the name of Jesus Christ. And you're going to make that decision for God before you have to because you give him an inch and he'll take a mile. And I hope you remember that story. And even if you ever come up against unforgiveness, you're not going to feel like it, but in that moment... Tell that truck driver I forgive him. Because I'm not letting Satan have a foothold. He will not win. Stand with me. We serve an awesome God. And he is amazing. And we not need not to fear this enemy, but need to be confident in who God is. Lord, I just pray that right now that you would just rise up within our hearts what you're doing. And God, that we would no longer fear the scams of the enemy. That we would no longer be ignorant to his scams. But that we would stand firm on what you have told us in your word. That you are our strength. In the name of Jesus, he and so I go, God I just pray that you will give us strength to do what you have called us to do that we will not let Satan get a foothold that we will be aware of his scams and we will combat them with your word and with understanding who you are and the power in the name of Jesus thank you Lord let's sing this as a declaration and let's worship our God and thank Him that He is all-powerful. He is amazing. And guess what? We already know the end. He wins. So we win. Let's sing this together. Open 
the eyes of the blind there's no one like you none like you into the darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise there's no one like you like you let's sing it together our God is greater our God is stronger God you are higher than any other our God is healer awesome in power our God our for us and who could ever stop us and if our God is with us and what could stand against and if our God is for us and who could ever stop us and if our God is with us and what could stand barbecue and parents you can pick up your children downstairs before going to the barbecue here's the thing we want everyone to come to lunch today and lunch is here so if you're wanting to stay for prayer and you're wanting to stay in worship the worship team's going to sing this again and if you just need to declare this again you're welcome to stay parents we need you to go get your kids and go out and i'm going to pray for the barbecue so we want um, parents with kids and seniors to be able to go through first and then everybody else so just go ahead out i'm trusting that everything is ready out there because it happened while i was up here so <laughs> if not just help <laughs> lord thank you so much for your word and thank you for what you've done in our hearts god and we just thank you for this church and for the fellowship that's going to happen around those tables around the barbecue. God, I pray that connections that need to be made will be made today. 
God, for those who are feeling like they have no friends or they haven't really connected yet, God, I pray that you would be in charge of those connections. God, I thank you for this food. I pray pray that you would bless it to our bodies. And God, for those of us who need to stay and who need to pray about things in our lives and who need to declare that you are greater, I pray that would happen as well. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.